just tell me in pictures, what does leadership look like in your organization? They will draw the most vivid pictures of a tent on fire, circus characters running around, people trying to juggle balls and they're all over the ground. The one I remember was somebody, a stick figure walking a tightrope with daggers underneath. They're blindfolded and they're being crushed to death between their board and their frontline members. (laughs) I mean, these are the pictures that people are creating of what leadership looks like. This episode of EMS One Stop is brought to you by Lexapol, the experts in policy, training, wellness support, and grants assistance for first responders and government leaders. To learn more, visit lexapol.com. That's L-E-X-I-P-O-L.com. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the EMS One Stop. I'm your host, Rob Lawrence. And don't forget, we're on a brand new channel now. We've, uh, we've broken away from uh, Inside EMS. Uh, I love you, Chris and Kelly. But I'm now yeah, set up in my own place, and I'll have you over for dinner one day. Excited, though, because we have a sort of a crossover podcast going on, because coming up shortly, we have the fourth annual EMS Leadership Summit. And I know that uh, my guests were over on Inside EMS uh, earlier on this week, but I'm just going to pick up the conversation. And so I'd like to welcome Robbie McHugh and Lisa Giruzzi, who are the organizers of the fourth annual EMS Leadership Summit. Guys, welcome. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks, Rob. It's great to see you. So I know that uh, you were over chatting to Chris and Kelly. As I say, I, w- I want to pick up the conversation. And uh, the, the, the the theme and the notion of, of our two podcasts is, uh, as you know, Chris and Kelly are talking about the, you know, the sort of the truck eye view. And I'm sitting in the corner office, uh, you know, looking looking out at EMS land. And so let's talk about some some things for leaders, first of all, before we get into the actual summit and the conference itself. Leadership, in, in, in your view, is a systems approach, and we hear a lot about that. But what does that really mean? Well, you know, we say that leadership is not a position or a role, and leadership can happen at any level. And having said that, what we're clear about is systems are what create results, So, you know, the the easiest way that I like to talk about it is if we think of a car engine, right, there's a whole system there. And if we want to stop the exhaust from being noxious and, you know, killing the planet, then we have to redesign the engine. And that's what we see is happening, right, where we're going from a carbon uh, combustion engine to uh, hybrids and all of that. But we don't think about organizations that way. We look at organizations and the problems of the organization, such as recruitment and retention, like, oh, those are the problems we have to fix. And what we say at the EMS Leadership Academy is, no, no, when you focus there, it's like focusing on the exhaust. Yeah, you can create some little changes, but they're not going to be sustainable. You have to go upstream, if you will. You have to go all the way up to what is the system that is producing that result. And although... Every organization is somewhat different. There's fundamental things that all organizations do, and you can look at EMS uh, as a great example of this, be, that are that are causing that result called uh, high turnover and uh, a problem with recruiting. And yet, 
a lot of leaders that contact us and we talk to want to look at the end result and say, oh, it's the kids today. Oh, it's this, that, and the other thing. Now, I'm not saying those things don't have an impact, but those things are all a result of the system. The system is creating that result. We say every result you have is a perfect correlate to the system that's in Before I come to you, Robbie, you, you, you made me smile there because, you know, the, the, the kids of today, right? And that's one of those, I think, issues we need to get over here in EMS because we talk about, you know, pick the generation before your generation or the generation before that. And we seem to be surprised. My God, they're in amongst us now. We can see them. We can feel them. We can hear them. They can talk to us. We need to realize that these people are our future. We have to invest in them and we have to prepare them for the journey ahead. But there just seems to be this kind of, oh, my goodness, the next generation have arrived. What do I do? And I, and I think it's because, you know, the older, the older leader doesn't know what to do. But these people are here. They're, they're keen. They're thrusting. They're enthusiastic. And they want to carry on. But I'm not sure we know <laughs> where to take them. Anyway, that was my view. Robbie, you were about to jump in there. Oh, there's there's so much we could say about that and the generational issues we're going to touch on for sure, um, the intergenerational issues. Uh, but but first, you you to what Lisa said is like people focus on the problems typically, right? People, especially as a paramedic of you know being in this industry for over 20 years, we're chronic problem fixers. We show up to a call and we are just designed to problem like problem fix. And of course, this doesn't translate well when you're looking at an organization, because what do you do? You've got, you promote your problem fixers, your best ones, and then you expect them to be great leaders. Well, in reality, they were really good paramedics. It doesn't mean that they were a really good leader. And if we try to cut off the exhaust to that engine, it's going to kill the engine. <laughs> we fixed the problem, didn't we? You know, and then we blew the whole engine up. Um, and, and if you look at assist from a systems perspective, they're nothing more than an organization doesn't exist without its people, right? The, the most important asset in an organization is the people. <laughs> if you don't have the people, you don't have an organization that's going to function uh, and it's not going to function for too long. So I think there's there's some interesting points there. And at the EMS Leadership Academy, we love to focus on not problem fixing. We focus on, well, what do you really want? Let's forget the last few years. Let's forget all these problems that are, you know, they're top of mind. They're eating you away right now. We're gonna folk. We're gonna help you resolve some of those issues that are, that are b- bothering you. But but we're gonna set them aside for now. And I want you to think five years from now. You know, if you woke up and your most wildest dreams came true about your organization, what would that look like? What would that world look like? And just look around. Like, is it the equipment? It, what is it about the people? What is it about the organization that that's happening? And it gets people unstuck. And out of these messy, sticky problems that they that they find themselves mired in, and it gets them into a different part of the brain and thinking. Well, if we could have anything, we 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 would want this, and we'd want that, and they start drawing the most vivid pictures, and and an abundance of people and an abundance of equipment, and this is how we would really design it. And it's just fascinating to watch the transformation in people, whether when they're focused on their problems, you know, they draw pictures. We ask people to draw pictures of the, just tell me in pictures, what does leadership look like in your organization? They will draw the most vivid pictures of a tent on fire, circus characters running around, people trying to juggle balls and they're all over the ground. The one I remember was somebody, a stick figure walking a tightrope with daggers underneath. He's 
they're blindfolded and they're being crushed to death between their board and their frontline members. <laughs> I mean, these are the pictures that people are creating of what leadership looks like. And then we ask them, is it any wonder why nobody wants to step up and be a leader in your organization? Because <laughs> that's the picture you're painting. And when you start to paint this picture of the ideal future, what you really want, and you get people together in the room collaborating, it's got a whole different tone. It's got a whole different feeling, and it compels people instead of repelling people. Wow, that was uh, that was uh, <laughs> exciting, and we're all looking at each other, smiling here. But you need to hook. I need to hook you into Dan Sun because he can then turn that image into some fantastic EMS mural artwork for us all, uh, and and use that. Can I just say one? Follow up to what Robbie said, because I think what he said was so critical, but it also links back a little bit to what I was saying, which is now that you have this future you want to create, right? You look at, okay, this is the ideal future. The systems and design thinking comes in when we go, okay, now that you know what you want to create, how would you create that? Not what do you need to fix in order to get there, which is the misunderstanding that most people have around creating what they want. Fixing what you don't want does not get you to creating what you want. So now that you have this, oh, we want, you know, abundance of money. We want abundance of people. We want all of what Robbie just said. And you say, okay, imagine you're in that future. What did you do to get there? And that's when people's creativity comes alive. And they're like, oh, we did this and we recruited this way and we did this, this and this. Well, you can start doing that today. You don't have to fix one stinking problem in order to start creating that. And that is the cool thing is they start building what they want alongside of what's already exists and what they don't want starts to fade away and what they want, they get more and more and more of. And that's why it's makes a smile. And it's such a transformation is because it's not, it doesn't have to be hard, arduous work. It's a, it's a, it's a creative act, not a fixing act. I don't know if like me, you are following uh, the, fortunes of ESD 11 down there in Harris County they started off just less than a year ago and actually I was on, I was doing a webinar only yesterday with uh, Casey Harris who's the uh, medical director there and we talked about the fact that 12 months ago there was nothing there was a blank piece of paper and a big checkbook and the mission was okay build this thing and you and get set and go and of course, they're getting a ch got a chance to do that kind of imagineering of okay, what does this thing need to look like? How do we engineer it to be the best that it can be? How do we get rid of gut feelings and tradition and everything else? And we run with designing something that's going to work. You know, if Mike Tegman was on here, he'll tell you that the system is perfectly designed for the results it gets. Right? Um, and just for those that aren't watching the video, Robbie just pointed at me when I said that. So uh, yes, indeed, it is. And so there's an opportunity, I, I think, to for people to use their imagination to be creative. Um, I'm, I'm a graduate of the Royal Military Academy, Sandhurst, years ago. Um, our motto, of course, is serve to lead. Um, but, of course, one of the great sort of military misconceptions is that it's all left, right, tick-tock, tick-tock, do as you're told. But there's a great adage that says tactics is not no longer the opinion of the senior officer present. In other words, if you have a good idea and you can see the advantage, you can see the future, you can see the way forward, you must speak up. And that means that we're not going to miss an opportunity. We're not going to miss the objective and we're not going to lose the war, whatever the war might designate, what the war might be. Um, the other thing that, that really sort of brought memories back to me is that in describing the future, whenever you plan an operation, the commander is ultimately responsible, the leader. 
And just before you move into that phase of operation, the commander gives this thing called the summary of execution, which is where we put our books down. We actually eyeball everybody in the room or in in the tent or wherever. And I look at you all in the eyeball and I explain to you without the aid of notes what I'm going to do now, what we're going to do now, because if you don't believe me in what we're about to achieve, then we might as well not even bother getting out of our sleeping bags. And so there's a few few things that kind of sort of came back from from my past in what you said there. And I think it's great that we encourage the freedom of thought because that creativity is going to generate progress and generate enthusiasm. I don't know whether you agree with that, but that's certainly what I, what I heard you say. Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. And, and, what has unfortunately happened is the systems that have been in place, again, innocently, everyone did it with the mindset of how do we help, right? And and so it was problem solving, problem solving, problem solving. And this problem got solved, so then it created a whole other set of problems. So then let's fix that problem. That, but, and then you have this, you know, bunch of stuff that no longer is relevant, but that's how we've always done it. It looks like it's you know, a big structural issue, how do we change it? And, you know, if you can step back and go, wait a minute, most of this is just thought then. It's not some deep-seated, you know, change initiative that's going to take 40 years. No, no, it's thought then. We've created these ways of thinking, these thought systems that look like we have to do work to change them. No, they will change on their own. If you take your focus off them. And so what do you, what you focus on, you get more of. And what Robbie was talking about with having people focus on the ideal, get getting people in a room together, you get people focusing on that. The system moves in that direction because what you focus on, you get more of. And, you know, what, what you were saying about looking everyone in the eye, you're being, or, or how I interpreted what you said is to say, this is the direction we're going. And now that's got people, okay, I'm looking in that direction too. And then they're using their best assets to look in the same direction. And and I just think too much has fallen on leaders to, it's up to them versus it's not up to them to do everything. It's up to them to open up the space for people to be in the conversation and figure out the best way, right? It doesn't mean it has to all fall on your shoulders like a burden. I'd like to add to that when, you know, it, it may seem like a hard right, but usually Lisa and I focus on, in the academy, we focus on communication as the foundation for effective leadership. We focus on giving people the tools of how to how to deal with each other's baggage. You know, you talk, you think of an organization, um, you know, ESD 11 didn't have 40 years of baggage to change. <laughs> they didn't have 40 years of problems to overcome. They got to create from nothing, which is very rare. And I applaud them for the efforts. But if you can go into an organization and, and, and first start with, like we didn't start with that visioning exercise. We started with giving people some, some very simple and useful strategies and tools to deal with each other, to not, make up stories about what's happening <laughs> to realize how to slow themselves down. And I think it boils down over the years, looking back to it, they're essential elements of emotional intelligence. It's emotional self-awareness and emotional self-control. And Lisa does it in such a beautiful way <laughs> that people just get it and they start to have tools in their toolbox. And I think that's an important point to, 
to create a bench of leaders, right, to give them the tools before they may be promoted to that position of leadership and do a bunch of damage. Because we've all heard the story. Somebody gets promoted. They get the gold badge. They may only have one tool in their toolbox, and it may be to force their way through situations. And then we think, oh, we should send them to some training. (laughs) Actually, let's pick up on emotional intelligence after the break and when we come back, because I think that's something that uh, we we do need to talk about and leaders do need to really start to to think about. Um, But also, this is one of those weeks where there's a theme emerging, because literally we had the webinar yesterday for the 2022 What Paramedics Want EMS1 Survey. And we had the panel on, um, including um, Dr. Casey Patrick from ESD11 and Carly Alley and Maria Beerman-Fote uh, and uh, Dr. Maya Dorset um, and JP uh, from Medic. And the, one of the key themes was communication. And you have to be able to communicate at all levels, at every level. And that's really where you've just been. And I, and I think, again, you know, the survey said that. So we're all onto something here and we have to keep talking about it. But we're going to just take a second and listen to a word from our sponsor. Lexapol empowers first responders and public servants to best meet the needs of their residents safely and responsibly, serving more than 2 million public safety and government professionals in over 8,000 agencies and municipalities. Lexapol offers a range of solutions that includes policies, training, behavioral health resources, news and analysis, and grant assistance services for law enforcement, fire rescue, EMS, local government, and other agencies dedicated to public safety. To learn more, visit lexipol.com. That's L-E-X-I-P-O-L.com. Welcome back. Don't forget, uh, if you're enjoying this show on this new channel, please make sure you like and subscribe. Give us a rating. Give us four. Give us five. Give us six out of five stars um, in order that we go up the searchability. Don't forget, you can follow us on most podcast platforms. uh, So make sure you please give us a like. Robbie and Lisa, thank you for joining me. As I say, this is kind of the continuation from the Inside EMS discussion that uh, you guys had uh, over on Inside EMS with Chris and Kelly. But emotional intelligence, okay? We've got IQ. What's emotional intelligence? How wh- Explain. I, I'd like to just start by saying that I was fortunate to do a master's degree and fly out to Cleveland every month for two years and and study under some of these great leaders in emotional intelligence. Uh, Richard Boyatzis, who uh, with Dan Goldman wrote the book on emotional intelligence for the last 50 years. So it was, a, it was an honor to be out there with them. And when I started to develop the language for what really is emotional intelligence, I realized, wow this is a lot of the stuff that we've been doing. If you boil it down, when we talk about, I think the two tenets are emotional self-control and and self-awareness. The more self-aware we can become, the more we can uncover some blind spots that, you know, that things that we didn't even know were going on. I think the better we can handle situations, interpersonal situations. One of the third elements of emotional intelligence is relationship building. Everything we do is interacting with people, right? How do we develop those essential skills, not the soft skills, but the essential skills in that affective domain to really help people effectively deal with each other? Um, the, the work we've done in communication, I'm, I'm shocked at, at how effective it is when we talk about listening, <laughs> right? It's not about talking. It's how do we listen to other people? How do we listen 
so that they know we, we care about them, we value them, right? Are we putting our work aside or are we typing on our phone? Or do we have our email up in front of us or do we give that person our full attention? Those little things, that may, or those things that may seem little have a big impact on, on the perceived message that's being sent. Robbie, that's so great what you're pointing to. And, and what I love about um, the, the communication programs that we deliver is that we broaden the definition of communication. People think of it in terms of speaking and listening or writing or reading. And yes, that's of course communication. But if you look at its simplest form, communication is about interpreting and making meaning. And when you see that the, the brain is always interpreting and trying to make meaning, trying to make sense of things. So everything communicates. And so that's our definition of communication. We say every communication is everything and everything is communication. And when the people that we are working with see that and they start to see that there's all these things that they've been communicating unintentionally and the impact of that. And then we start to break it down for people and have them see that there's what's happening in reality. And then there's the distortion of their opinions and thoughts and assessments. And 99.999999% of the time, it's really 100, but 99 point, however many 9% of the time, we're not seeing the facts for what they are. We are putting a distortion in front of them. So we're not dealing with what's happening. So that's why communication goes awry so easily and people misinterpret, they misunderstand. The estimates now are in the trillions of dollars of what miscommunication costs organizations. And yet people are not investing in transforming how people communicate. And it's just fascinating to me because it's fundamental to connecting with other human beings is this ability to get past our interpretations and assessments and opinions and just be with the other person, as Robbie said, and connect. I think that's so important. And as some wise man once said to me, if you're doing all the talking, then you ain't doing any of the listening, first of all. And uh, in my office in Richmond, I didn't have the big oak desk. I had a conference table uh, and therefore, if anybody came in, I would literally pull up the chair in the conference table next to them to be able to listen to them. I had I could turn around and use the typing area or the computing area, giving my age away there. Um, but primarily, my office was our space, not my office. And therefore, that again, it's about that connecting with people and being able to look them in the eye, listen to them, understand what they're trying to say. Now, of course, as, as the COO, the answer wasn't always yes, but it was mostly not yet and hardly ever no, because there's just a case of explaining issues, great ideas, timing is everything, like you know, politics and comedy, timing is everything. Um, and therefore, that's the ability to actually connect with people, understand what they want, and hopefully create that team uh, environment. And you know, if, if you're not in a team run right now, we're, we're, you've had it, I think. Well, Simon Sinek's quote is one of our favorites, and every time it gets posted on our social media, it, it gets the most likes. And it's, um, leadership is not about being in charge. It's about taking care of those in your charge. And that is our 100% uh, belief. That's one of the tenets of our work. And when you think about it as a leader, when a, when a um, person from your organization comes in, do you see it as an interruption? 
then what are you communicating if that's your mindset? If that's the frame of mind you're in is, oh, they're interrupting me from my real work. That's got to change. That's a system that's the cause of people feeling uncared for. It's a thought system. Rather than saying, oh, everything, if, 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 I'm, if it's true that people are our most important resource, show me your schedule, show me your budget, and I'll tell you whether that's a lie. Because if you don't have a budget for people maintenance and you don't have a schedule filled with meeting with your people, then people aren't your most important asset. They just aren't. Well, the common quest I always ask is before we had this current sort of pandemic people pickle, you know, what's bigger, your recruitment budget or your retention budget? And I can tell you which one organizations mostly had um, without risk of pulling up a sandbag and swinging the lamp. Also, I had the very good fortune to be in the NATO exchange program with the Canadian Army. And for two years, I was a company commander of an officer, tra- of an officer training company. And you talk about that body language and that how peop- how your actions can be interpreted of course, being the guy that was responsible for training the officers, we knew very, very acutely that every facial expression, every quip, every move was interpreted by the students as, oh my God, here comes some more pressure. And actually what would happen is people would create their own pressure bubble. And actually that was deliberate on our part in officer training because we wanted to see how well they did under pressure. But what I learned was that everything you do as a leader is observed on, is interpreted is discussed and so if if the body language if the messaging if your attitude is wrong it ripples out into the entire organization and you know that was a learning point for me and uh, you know i i set out we set out deliberately to put people under pressure so therefore i know that what i do can put people under pressure sometimes unconsciously and that's bad for the organization I think David Daniels, uh, he's been a speaker at the MS Leadership Summit before, uh, now Dr. David Daniels, completing his PhD in, in safety, talks a lot about, I think, when um, psychological safety. And when we think about that, I think I feel like safety is always, oh, physical safety. Are you wearing a helmet? Do you have a vest? And we don't think about the psychological atmosphere of an organization. Do people feel safe and comfortable approaching you with their issues, their problems, what they see as an opportunity to improve. You know, I think every complaint that comes to you is an opportunity to connect with somebody and, and to, to resolve a, a, an issue that if you make it uncomfortable for them, they're going to be quiet. They're going to be silent. And that's when as a leader, you should get worried that if your people aren't, aren't comfortable coming to you about issues, um, you've got bigger, bigger problems brewing. Um, and so the idea of psychological safety, um, you know, we talk a lot about Amy Edmondson's work um, and, and her research behind how she came across the idea of psychological safety, where where um, they give the example of the ICU nurse at two in the morning. You know, she's reading uh, orders of what medications to give in the or in the PICU, and um, she immediately flashes back to the bad experience she had with her with a supervisor with a with one of the physicians that berated her for calling it at, at one o'clock in the morning and, and questioning. Uh, how dare you question my my orders? They're written there in plain English. So she doesn't call at one in the morning to make sure that you know. Should, is this the right dose of medication? She gives the wrong dose to the medication, the, the correctly written dose, which is the wrong dose of the medication. And there was a medication error. So when Amy was doing her research, Dr. Evanson, she looked at high performing uh, teams and low performing teams. And she was baffled that why do these low performing teams that are rated like these are the low performers have almost no error rates. And these high performing uh, organizations, high performing teams, 
they have such a high error rate. And, and when they step back to look, they found that people didn't feel comfortable in the low performing teams to come forward with the errors. People in the in the high-performing organizations, the high-performing teams, they felt comfortable talking about their mistakes so that from a systems perspective, they could change it. It's not the individual's fault. <laughs> it's the system that allowed like certain things that weren't in place, controls that weren't in place. People didn't feel psychologically safe. So unfortunately, that poor soul at the end that ends up making the mistake gets blamed. And that's that's just a failure from a from the system's point of view. I think that's a perfect kind of sort of roundup of, of systems and also how the leader needs to have that emotional intelligence to to lead. Um, I want to just take us back to Dr. David Daniels for a second because he's an outstanding leader. Um, David and I were opposite numbers in the city of Richmond, Virginia. I was the CEO of the Amulet Service and David was a deputy fire chief. And uh, one of the things that impressed me considerably about him as a leader is that he didn't go on station visits. He didn't go on ride-alongs. He went on sleep-alongs. He spent 24 hours in each and every station as he, when he arrived. He literally you know, moved, moved out from home, wherever that was, and lived in every station just to get the feel, the vibe. And you know, that is outstanding. And so that kind of brings me nicely on to Dave. David is also, of course, a speaker at this year's fourth annual Leadership Summit, um, so, Robbie and Lisa, why don't you give us a bit of a flavor for what's coming up? Sure, sure. It's a, it's an event we're excited about where this year we have over 40 speakers, which is the most amount of speakers we've ever had. <laughs> um, and we have over 40 speakers from around the globe with diverse perspectives, different delivery methods of VMS. And, and we have some of the, the greatest minds of leadership, both in the, in the industry and outside the industry in a five-day event, September 20th through the 24th. It's a free event, emsleadershipsummit.com. You can go get your free pass and we're going to kick it off on September 19th. Every day we'll be doing a a live stream across uh, social networks from LinkedIn Live to Facebook brands, a reach of almost uh, a quarter million right now uh, across these multiple brands that we've got uh, together through our media partners. So we're super excited about this. Yeah, and the one, one of the most wonderful things is um, how many people reached out to us in wanting to be speakers this year. You know, the first couple of years we did this online event, people were like, what now? Well, I shouldn't say first couple of years. It was the first, the first year in 2019, and then the pandemic hit, and we were already in the throes of planning for our second annual um, EMS Leadership Summit, and we were all geared up to go, and all these conferences were we're unfortunately shutting down because of the pandemic. And so, you know, we were um, able to support a lot of uh, presenters and a lot of folks in, in getting what they needed. And, you know, our theory all along has been we want to democratize this information. We want to get the information out to as many leaders as possible, whether you're in a rural community or you're in a very populated community and you just can't take time off to go to a conference. You know, this is an online event. Every presentation is available for at least 24 hours and you can, um, you know, look at the schedule ahead of time, pick the leaders you want to see, pick the presentations you want to see. And sometime within that 24 hour period, you can watch it. Um, You can watch the presentation because everything is recorded. And, you know, it's, we've been getting just amazing, amazing feedback throughout the last three years of what people have, you know, seen what innovations have come from it, 
um, you know, connections that got made because they saw a presenter and then somebody went and contacted them and got coaching from them. So we're just thrilled to, to be able to showcase so many brilliant people um, from, from so many different perspectives. Especially a brilliant panel, Rob, of uh, Rob Lawrence. Uh, well, Alexis I'm just Jogson. about to cut in with a shameless, shameless plug. And Mark because, uh, <laughs> Myself, Mark Tenya, and Alexia Jobson are going to do a communications panel. And I'm excited about this because this year, Alexia, Mark, and myself have taken communications on the road. And uh, this will be, I think, our second or third kind of conference we've done so far this year. Uh, we did a, a pre-con at Pinnacle. We're doing a pre-con at the AAA conference. We're doing a pre-con at Expo. All about PIO, communications, leadership, communication, because we suck at it. And you've just kind of helped me kind of tell that story. And we believe that now, more so than ever, I think, we have to be really, really good at telling our story externally. And we have to be really, really good at communicating with our people internally. And we have to do both things equally well. So thank you both for allowing us to, to jump in. And, and we were we were here last year, Robbie, and obviously we had a different kind of flavor last year because obviously we were talking about pandemic communication. Sure. And so we're having a, a different conversation this year. Uh, and so we're excited about that. But as I say, Mark, Alexia and myself, and also Randall Mann from, uh, from AAA as well, is joining us out on the road to take our message about communication out to the masses. And so we, we, you know, we are spending a... You know, do I say time and money getting out to these conferences because we feel that everyone needs to actually sharpen this skill up? So thank you. Who else have you got to, other than the three of us? Oh, Who else is coming on of note? We've got Ray Barashansky uh, giving us some pandemic uh, history lessons, <laughs> uh, lessons learned about pandemic and public health with some fascinating stories and anecdotes of, you know, we just, we think people understand the, what we do in EMS. And then he shares the story of his boss, uh, in a public health position in this, the entire state, not knowing the difference between a paramedic and EMT when it came to vaccinations. Um, so it was pretty eye-opening uh, with what Ray shares about, you know, what we've gone through in the past of pandemics and and what we should be looking forward to. Uh, well, we're going to make sure Ray listens to this podcast because Ray is the master of edutainment. Go look it up. <laughs> who else? Who else? We, we have the phenomenal Wendy Lund out of uh, Canada who spent 30 years training uh, paramedics in uh, anatomy physiology as an educator. And after she retired, she went on to get a master's degree in mindfulness studies. And she is focused on uh, wealth from, that's W-E-L-L, wealth management, wellness and mindfulness and resiliency. Um, so we'd love to have Wendy. Um, uh, we've got uh, Scott Moore, who's just such an incredible uh, thought leader that is bounces around all, all around the country talking about some great topics. And Yeah, uh, Scott's following us around all the conferences too. Uh, we're trying to shake that tail, but it's not working. <laughs> Um, and then we've got Julianne Stevenson from Texas, uh, who has a great perspective of how, as an educator, you can be a leader in the classroom. And I found myself, uh, you know, just laughing out loud during her presentation and getting some odd looks around the room. Um, so she, she's got some interesting stories and in, uh, to share about as an educator, how can how can you be a better leader in the classroom and influence others? We have the BC panel, British Columbia EHS, uh, you know, such a massive system of 4,000 plus paramedics 
in BC. Uh, we have a few conversations coming out of there from the, the the management versus leadership and the language of leadership, which I was fascinated by. And I am a complete nerd when it comes to leadership. Um, so hearing from Dr. Caravangelo, Heather Edward, we've got Liam Baranowski from uh, the BC system and um, some other great leaders uh, from around the world. Uh, Lisa, I don't know if you have any it's, I can't pick all 40. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have Marcus Bush, who, uh, you know, is talking about uh, leadership in uh, in the sense of how are you demonstrating leadership? We have Justin Reed, who is, these are some of the newer uh, up and coming speakers that we're um, highlighting. Um, Justin is, uh, you know, shares of his experience of taking an organization from one where people didn't feel safe to one of psychological safety and how he did that. I mean, um, you know, uh, Oren Wecht from um, Israel um, sharing about uh, what it's like in, you know, dealing with being a leader in the face of war and terrorism. Um, Duncan uh, McConnell from Australia um, is joining us again this year, talking about uh, being a, a square peg in a round hole. And, and let, let's face it, leaders often are, right? They're, they're the ones who, who don't fit the mold and they want to make things better. So, I mean, we could go on and on. Um, How about Michael Neal? Just oh. share a little bit because we... Uh, I, I, when I first started out, like I was looking for people outside of the industry and experts. And that's how I came across Lisa, right? You know, we, we didn't have the resources inside the industry and we've got a, a complete, you know, all-star lineup of, of EMS leaders, but talk a little bit about Michael Neal, cause he's not from our industry at all. Michael Neal is arguably one of the leading uh, coaches in the world. He uh, is, um, he's written uh, six or more best-selling books. He focuses on uh, change. And I asked him, he's a, he's a mentor of mine. He's a friend of mine. He coached me for a number of years and he, um, he wrote a book called creating the impossible. And so I asked him to come on because so many of the leaders that we've talked to feel like they're up to this impossible challenge. How are we going to change the system? It, it looks insurmountable. And Michael talks a lot about his work and, and the work that I do is all about changing from looking at the circumstances and, and, and to instead looking at what's your state of mind. And so he talks about uh, uh, the whole world of impossibility being a state of mind. And honestly, it is, it's a really transformational session. I was thrilled and I'm thrilled to be able to introduce him to, the, to our audience. And, and also Rob Cook, who's another really, um, uh, he was in um, Special Forces. And uh, talks a lot about this whole understanding of, uh, you know, how do you how do you take care of yourself? Um, it, it, it's, we just got such a great lineup that I am just really proud of what we put together and um, watching these presentations, being part of these interviews. It, it just gives me goosebumps to think about what a difference it's going to make for people. And I think it's important to realize that, uh, you know, leadership isn't just constrained or confined to EMS. There is a whole world of leaders out there and we need to actually go outside and see how it's done in other areas with people that have track records in this. And so all power to you guys. Um, so as we finish up, just uh, tell us when the date is and uh, how we can log on and get in for free. Absolutely. So uh, sessions will premiere September 20th through the 24th, we're doing a live kickoff on the 19th of September. And every day you're going to see a live, a daily debrief, a live stream of panelists, uh, speakers from the day's session. We'll talk about the sessions throughout the day. So um, don't feel like you're, you're missing out. You've got an opportunity to ask questions. And that's where we love the live Q&A. 
It's emsleadershipsummit.com. That's emsleadershipsummit.com. We even have an exhibitor hall uh, for folks. So we, we uh, simulate the whole conference experience. So there's exhibitor halls and, and uh, you know, opportunities to ask questions. We really wanted people to feel like they're connecting, not only hearing information one way, but really being able to connect. So everybody, be sure and uh, check that out. Finally, if we want to get in touch with you guys personally, how do we do that? Sure. It's uh, emsleadershipacademy.com or anywhere on social at 911leadership. Great. Well, thank you both very much, Robbie and Lisa. Uh, It's been an amazing conversation. Obviously, some great sort of leadership tips and hacks, but watch the whole show and it's over four days i mean you know you don't get many conferences virtually doing that now and uh you know long may it continue and uh again thank you for having myself mark and uh, uh and alexia on uh, we enjoy doing that as i say we've got, we've got a message we want to pass on as well uh, for the moment thank you very much and uh, if you want to follow me you can follow me on twitter at uk one or just come over on linkedin and find me and obviously if you have any comments You can leave them on the various social media pages that we post up the show. That was the fourth annual EMS Leadership Summit. Uh, Robbie McHugh, Lisa Giruzzi, uh, thank you very much. I've been Rob Lawrence. This has been EMS One Stop. And until next time, bye for now. 